This podcast was sponsored by Happy Mash. Take control of your pleasure with Happy Mash today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We at the Nasty Woman Club pay our respects to the traditional custodians of the Mianjin land. We acknowledge that we are on the stolen lands of the Yaraga and Turbul people whose sovereignty was never ceded. Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of the Nasty Woman Club podcast. I'm your host Demi Lynch and welcome to Let's Chat Thursdays. On today's episode, I am interviewing entrepreneur Anna Walsh. She is the founder of Happy Mash. I've been a fan of the brand for a while now, and I've been wanting to collab, interview, just do something together with Happy Mash for some time now. And one of the main things I love about the brand is how personal Anna makes it. She's not afraid to put her face to the brand, and she's not afraid to tell a story, which I find really admirable. So I thought, why not have her on the pod so she can tell her story? And she has many fascinating stories to tell. Despite running a sex toy business called Happy Mash, more on that later, did you know Anna used to be a police officer? She's also done cases in the past relating to human trafficking. Again, more on that later. So during our chat, Anna and I, we spoke about her major job transition, how her experience of motherhood is very relatable to other mothers that feel a sense of loss of identity during early years of motherhood. And of course, we had to mention that milkshake ad. I really hope you all enjoy my chat with Anna and learn a thing or two about her incredible brand, Happy Mash. This is Anna Walsh. Now, I am such a huge fan of your brand, but we'll go more into that later on. I need to know more about you as a person because you have such a really fascinating, interesting life that is, this is this is like way before the brand even was created. So to start off with a little icebreaker, I have started this new thing and it's called Last Thing on Your Phone. So you got your phone right in front of you there? I do, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to ask you three questions and you're going to tell me the last thing on your phone. So what was the last thing, my dear, that you Googled on your phone? Mm-hmm. I Googled Snow Patrol Johnny McDade, who is Courtney Cox's partner, boyfriend, partner. <laughs> is her partner from Snow Patrol? Yeah, I didn't realise. Like, I knew he was Irish and I couldn't remember how. Like, So I just sort of had a little sneaky peek and saw who he was. And yeah, that's what I was looking at. <laughs> I suppose suppose that's quite good compared to some things that people can Google. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I have the weirdest history, that's for sure. Yes. So then my second question is, what is your home screen and lock screen on your phone? 
I um my lock my home screen's pretty boring. It's just my purple happy mash color. But my and my lock screen again. I mean, it's just my kids. So <laughs> I, it's not very exciting. It's just a little picture of them looking super cute. Obviously, because they're my kids, I'm going to say that. <laughs> yes, yes. So yeah, you have to say that. Not that I'm... exciting. Mm-hmm. and then my last question I have then about last thing on your phone this I always found very fascinating when I ask people about this how many alarms do you have on your phone uh right I've got three but I usually use two in the morning Mm -hmm. I need two to get me up but then there's one that's pretty good times in the day (laughs) that's pretty good yeah I need like probably like a good five alarms like that's pretty good well done no, well done I, to that I definitely used to be like that but then having done shift work and then having two young kids like I just don't sleep as well as I used to so I definitely was like totally out of the count before that and need like I mean yeah it would scroll down off the page probably before that mm-hmm. so yeah it's getting much better <laughs> <laughs> well well done to that yes those are great questions though I love them well thank so, you yes yeah, so I thought it'd just be yeah. something a bit new that I would start like just something like to yeah. kick off the interview yeah all right, so before we get to Happy Mash, I want to know about you and your life in Scotland because it is like the complete opposite of what you would think someone that has started a sexual wellness company, like what their life was like. So you studied, let me see what, let me make sure I get this right. You studied a master's in equality and human rights and wrote a dissertation about the difficulties of policing human trafficking. Ha! Huh. What? <laughs> Tell me about that. Like even looking back on it and thinking about it now, it was 2009 I submitted it, so it feels like quite a long time ago. Um, I still like that. I feel like that does sound impressive. <laughs> um, oh, it is. It I is. I, yes. I don't often talk about it that much. I don't know why. Probably just because I've done so much since then, and mm-hmm. probably because I'm a woman and we are just far too gracious and not boastful enough about how amazing we are. But um, yeah, I suppose that part of my life, so doing my, I did an undergraduate in, in English and comparative literature and then went on to do that. So that part of my life pre- preceded, then I went and was in, the, in parliament and then in government. So I was really sort of going down a route um, of public service and writing and policy and very like serious um but I wasn't really that driven in I was just like there because I did well enough at university I have uh, the advantage of being a, a white middle class woman who had a great education and I was in this position that I wasn't really that interested in and then of course children came along and I think um you know that although it does sound really interesting and it is interesting in many ways it's not really like where my absolute oh, I hate the word, but it's not where my passion lies mm. so um yeah I've taken bits from those parts of my career to bring to me like bring me where I am today and um, the main parts are like I suppose the human trafficking really set me off on that route because it was this the sexual um traf- like trafficking for sexual um, reasons that really got my interest because that was all around women and it was all about crime as well. And so therefore, eventually moving in and studying in the police was like sort of a no brainer at that point. And I did get a lot of good um, 
experience in the police, which I really enjoyed, but I just felt like there were so many barriers um, in an organization like the police where there are like rank and files. So you can't just like leapfrog into new positions and you can't get promoted very easily. You know, you're a number and you also have an extra number above your head, which is how much service you have. So I find that really frustrating and I couldn't do everything that I wanted to do in the police. Um, but certainly picking and choosing the areas that I find really interesting gave me a really good drive to go to work because it's a really hard, hard job. Um, mm. And what you deal with every day is really difficult. And I have a lot of respect for police officers as individuals like in what they do every day. Um, I have issues with um, the organizations overall um, but on a day-to-day -day basis like that's a difficult job and you don't get paid very much so yeah um, I do miss that part of the camaraderie as well and the teamwork mm -hmm. um, and yeah so then picking up um, those aspects and bringing it to where I am I just feel like I've really used that as part of like building my identity again for like work as well because I think when you have kids um, and I, I feel like I'm relatively young to have two kids or, or maybe around about the average, I'm 34. Um, but when you have kids, like you realize that you need like another outlet and often like your career can be that if you want it to be, or it can be mm. your absolute downfall and your extra weight that you have in your life that you're really not enjoying. So yeah, I was really glad that I had that opportunity like to move um, into areas that I really wanted to be in, like Happy Mesh, which as you say, we could talk about later on, but bringing that, um, yeah, human trafficking and sexual assault and rape unit and domestic abuse team, like bringing all that with me um, gave me like a lot of confidence in doing that. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. So then with your experience then in human trafficking, obviously that would have, I can imagine like just seeing those, the, the images and the stories that you see every day with your work then back then, that would have definitely affected your mental health and obviously as well, like your values as well. Like, was that something that was a struggle for you back then? Or were you able to cope with the facts of like, you know, when you're at work, that's what you think about. But when you're at home, you don't think about what's actually happening in the world because obviously a lot of people don't know all the stories that you know in regards to yeah. the big issue that is human trafficking yeah yeah so with human trafficking um i often found it difficult to really relate it to my own life because the extreme cases that you um that i studied um and summarized and brought together they would often be like you know such extreme cases that you you could never imagine yourself you know even being in those situations mm. um, and if it was the ones that I actually dealt with in person as a police officer were more um trafficking for labor um mm -hmm. so like gardeners who were brought over to cultivate um marijuana crops and things like that so 
you know, even then, like, I can't even imagine being in that situation. So I didn't actually find it that difficult to disassociate myself. Um, the areas where I found it difficult to um, let go were in, um, I suppose, situations where that surprised me, like um, in domestic situations um, where, you know, you can imagine yourself yourself easily getting into those situations and your friends and your family um, through um, slow, repeated drip style abuse and control over people's lives. And the fact that this goes on um, everywhere behind closed doors and has done in most people's lives at some point in their life is really quite a scary thing. Um, and as a police officer, really hard to like find the heart of the matter. Mm. And then um try oh it's really hard trying to empower someone to report it officially because um when a, when you're a police officer you have no discretion in saying to unusually it was a woman um you know you should report this whereas now i honestly would never ever say that to anyone that you should report um something like domestic abuse or um sexual assault or rape i never would say you know you should or you have to report that it's, I honestly don't think I would myself nowadays. Mm. So um, in answering your question, I think it has to, you know, I'm only human and it just has to be relatable to me that really like makes me sit and think, oh my goodness, um, you know, that I can't believe that was happening all along or I didn't see it or, or like second guessing yourself and regretting not having done something because you know what the consequences were. So those things are difficult. Um, and yeah like the stuff that they deal with every day you know death and car accidents and things like that it's crazy um but yeah the stuff that goes on behind closed doors is really really difficult and i think that's really poignant and uh, for today's in today's media like and in, in today's coverage of um women's rights and sexual assault because it goes on all the time it's not happening to the few and far between it's, I mean, it's happening everywhere and it has happened to most people, if not their friends or their family. So, yeah, I think that's that was the difficult thing to get my head around because I could see that up front mm. and in person. What is your thoughts then on what's happening in Parliament these past couple of months with the whole literally it's just like a one thing after another of another scandal, as they call it, like with Christian Porter, Christian Porter, Brittany Higgins, and then also bloody mps wanking off on female colleagues desks like with your work experience in uh, sexual assault like what's your whole thoughts on what's been coming out of parliament like i think the, the best word is despair to describe it initially um i am a permanent resident here so i and I've, i'm not yet a citizen so i can't vote on any of these issues which makes it a little bit more and um, frustrating but um i yeah disbelief and despair because and setting aside all politics like and i genuinely mean that um no matter who's in power i i just don't understand how people are are getting away with this sort of behavior um and sort of lack of addressing the heart of the matter and the prop the issues at hand um and it seems to me that um, no matter how much we as women can advocate for these issues to be um, highlighted and like changed and, and for progress to be made on them, there's still such an undercurrent of boys clubs sitting in there that like 
it's just so obvious when you actually sit down and look at it all. And even in, um, I saw you, you commented on the, the consent, the milkshake ad. Oh which, my which God. Like, <laughs> in the last few days, like, I'm like, I honestly, I, I felt really stupid when I first watched it. I was like, no, wait, I don't actually understand like what even their point is with this. Um, uh-huh. I had to watch it a few times. It's left me more confused about consent. Like I was watching it and I was thinking, like, is the woman asking for it? Is the guy? And it's just. And then there's other videos, and they're just. Oh my god, they're so weird and confusing. Yeah, I mean, the government has money at its um, discretion to use and consult appropriate groups. Mm. Like they're all out there. They advocate to the government daily. Um, and on mass, and um, they why are they not consult? I think one of the bodies actually they said that they did consult. Um, uh, I can't remember the name of the, con- the, the the lobbyist group, but they tried. They said that they consulted them, and then it turns out that they didn't actually even consult them in the in the the feature of this milkshake ad. So that's really worrying as well. Like it's just yeah. like a cover up the whole way. Um, mm-hmm. But I do feel really sorry for. Um, anyone who has experienced sexual assault or or rape or any sort of harassment i just feel really sorry like for them because i don't know how they'd be feeling they already have this horrible thing to deal with in their lives and they're not getting any support publicly so it's just another um trauma for people to have to deal with internally because clearly no one else understands about it and no one else wants to upset the general public with the gory details like i could think of so many horrible situations that they could have shown on those adverts which would have been appropriate because that's like that's what happens um, mm. and that is what's happening not um infantilizing it with milkshakes and a burger joint um and also <laughs> flipping flipping around the rules like stereotypically and also factually women obviously bear the brunt of this abuse and it's not violence against women it's men's violence to women and um, but all of a sudden yeah the rules were flipped so that's i mean there's just so many points i can't i don't even think it's worthy of like a response but unfortunately it's not laughable because we have to deal with it and it's a real issue like it's such an important issue Mm. yeah i I honestly could go on about it (laughs) yeah because the thing is as well like these these videos are going to be shown to teenagers and when teenagers are then going to see these videos in school do you think they're going to just be sitting there really listening and like taking all in no they're just going to like laugh about it and be like oh that was weird that was worse acting than like people on neighbors and home and away like it's just that they're going to then mock it. But the thing is, it's not a situation or uh, issue that should be mocked. It's about bloody sexual assault, rape trauma. And they just, it was just so patronizing. They just made a joke out of it. And there's so many incredible sexual educators in Australia that they could have reached out to. And so many campaigners, for example, Chanel Contos, who is literally calling for there to be more consent education in schools. Why didn't they reach yeah. out to them? Like, oh, yeah. I know, and it's a shame because it is up to individual schools or individual parents to really, like, seek out what they what they know their children need. So they have to do the um, research, and they have to go and get their children an appropriate education. And that's even if they have the sort of foresight to even do that. So, yeah, I mean, it's always a generational thing. And right now, I feel like the generation coming out of high school are they're not going to be over the issues at all or understand the 
the gravity of them and mm. that's a real shame because there's a lot of girls who are becoming women and they're going to go into situations where they will be in danger and they won't even know it and there are going to be a lot of young boys who are becoming met or sorry older boys who are becoming young men who are going to be in situations where they have a choice to do to go down different paths and they won't understand also the gravity of some of their actions um so yeah it's just a scary time i have a son and a daughter so i um i feel like i feel like pretty scared for them growing up as well and worried um i know that my partner and i will give them all that we can but um yeah it's just un it's unreal so and for a country like australia who um you know it's a great democracy and has a, a long-standing tradition of being that way like yeah it's um it's got to change we'll be back in just a moment but right now i want to talk to you all about today's sponsor which is happy mash as you know, we at the Nasty Woman Club love supporting lady startups, especially ones that are dedicated to female empowerment and sexual wellness. So it really should be no surprise that I decided to partner up with the female-led sexual wellness brand, Happy Dash. Anna Walsh is the genius mind behind the brand. And as you'll find out later in the show, she created the brand because she wanted to empower women by helping them rediscover their sexual pleasure. Happy Mash is dedicated to closing the orgasm gap and educating people about the benefits of masturbation. And let me tell you, there's a lot. And Anna has been very kind to also gift all the Nasty Woman Club listeners with a special discount for her Happy Mash range. All listeners get 20% off the entire Happy Mash range. Use the code NASTYWOMAN20 that's nasty woman 20 and get yourself a gift that will just keep on giving and giving and giving and giving thank you again to happy mash for sponsoring today's episode now back to my interview with the brand's founder anna walsh so i want to flip things around to a different topic that I really want to look at and that is Happy Mash and how you started it so you sent you sent to me some more information about Happy Mash and how you began it and you said it started with the fact that you felt a bit of a loss of identity after you had children now I'm not a parent so I don't really I do hear mo mothers in particular they talk about that when they have children and I I always get confused like what that means because obviously I don't have kids and mm. Yeah, so if you can tell me a bit more about that. Well, it just, and I, it really wasn't something I, I was aware of at the time. Like, I just thought that my life was completely upended, like most women's lives at that stage. Um, but I, like, you know, it's as if you couldn't, imagine that you just couldn't wear what you wanted to wear in the morning and you looked in the mirror and you didn't recognise yourself and you weren't always that happy about it. Like, it was a, it was a real mm. strange situation like that. When I looked in the mirror when I was pregnant, like it was great it was beautiful it was blossoming and it was just going down the track that I wanted to go down and then as soon as I had my child like internally I felt really um you know deeply unhappy about that like I was you know I didn't have postnatal depression but I certainly did struggle to like reconcile my old life with the new mm -hmm. um so yeah I just really felt um 
completely not myself and that had something to do with probably my weight but also the image that I was trying to settle into like was I supposed to how was I supposed to be a mum was I supposed to be this like you know women put in a pedestal mummy blogging lifestyle person or was I just supposed to be me so I found that really difficult um uh, to yeah reconcile between the two um and since having my second like I didn't have any worry about that I really felt like I found my footing and came into my own um and just started like owning the way I do things that's the way I do things it doesn't I don't google like should I be doing this or what should I be doing and how do I be a mum you know um and I think that like even women perhaps in their late 20s early 30s they feel it just you know whether motherhood's coming into it or not there is like a sort of shift um mm. that I certainly felt when I was because I think you know you're not just you're not just finished studying or you're not just out of uni or you're not just at the start of your career either you're getting like you know you're not you're not getting towards middle age but you're getting a little bit more serious maybe you've just got your own unit maybe you're started moved out from your parents house and like that lust and excitement of life has perhaps gone a little bit as well like it certainly had for me like I had my young years where I would like sleep around and have great sex with loads of different men and it was so much fun but that's not really what I was after and I don't think a lot of women are after later on in their 20s there are there are after sex but maybe just more of a connection and mm -hmm. something more interesting that comes along with it um, and also I hope nowadays um, women are doing that for themselves not for other people's um, you know gratification or for other people in general so yeah I feel like you know that identity shift does happen for a lot of women at that stage um, whether it's motherhood or not but yeah motherhood certainly threw a spanner in the works for me and um, my partner and I had been together for I think we've been together for six years when my son was born um so yeah it has a massive implication on your sex life as well so mm -hmm. um that's definitely to do with it like you anyone knows that if they're not confident in themselves then they're not going to be confident um in asking someone for pleasure or asking someone for what they want um and i feel like those that's just such an intrinsically linked thing you know leading from knowing yourself not just not just intimately but knowing yourself who you are yourself and your body and your purpose and um, moving through a, a relationship and then asking for pleasure and um, giving and receiving pleasure and being satisfied with that like those things have to be linked otherwise like there's a there's a small issue or a big problem somewhere along the line um, and so when I was thinking about you know how to sort of put that into a business or a career for myself and um, I found that with women of my age you know sex toys and vibrators were well known it's not like really a taboo topic or anything like that but a lot of people just didn't actually really use them properly or they had once when they're younger and it was really funny um or they had it once with a partner um but don't have one again and I just feel like that regular use like had so many more health benefits that it wasn't being portrayed in the right way mm -hmm. and that women weren't being portrayed in the, in the right way through their use either um, that it was like too seedy it was too sexual it was you know almost like something to be ashamed of so I decided to try and make it more of um, a mental health and physical health um, conscious thing and like an essential part of a woman's just like self-care routine 
um, and all the science backs it up. So I have no, I know I don't real reason that I feel like I'm sort of selling to people. I feel like I'm serving to people, and certainly um, in the reviews that I get from women, um, that comes across, which is really like heart heartening as well to know that I can make a change in people's um, sex lives and people's relationships. What's it been like then, like starting a whole business? Because obviously starting business can be overwhelming. It can, and as and as you said, like your previous experience hasn't been sex toys. It's been something of a whole different world. Like what has it been like actually like, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, starting a business? Because I heard you said that you um went to, you did the Mia Friedman's Lady Startup through Mamma Mia. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, that was great. I did her rocket plan um, for people who were already in business but needed to sort of boost their revenue. Mm. Um, and that was great because I, I just really started out in the dark and was fumbling around and had a website but didn't know what I was doing. And I, I mean, it's a constant process. I'm still working on it now. But that just really helped consolidate everything and just make me work through it all again um, and improve it a lot. And just there's a really good community of women whom I met through Lady Startups but also who just exist in the entrepreneurial world in general in Australia who are amazing and so women-centric, so supportive. Um, there's so many women out there doing things for themselves now. I think with um, COVID probably was a big um, spur for a lot of women, but also we just have access to home offices, to e-commerce that can be something you do on the side. Um, so I felt really empowered by a lot of women to keep going and doing that. Um, and I think I just took one step at a time because if I knew all the work that would have and time that would have gone in, it would have felt too difficult to do at the start. Um, so yeah, it was really difficult to have the self-discipline to actually sit down and make myself do the work, even though I didn't really know what the work was and what should I be doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I sort of feel like I'm getting there now, and I have my first range, the Know Yourself range, which is selling well. Um, and I'm just looking into more pleasure products to bring on for you know the next six months um, so it's a real um it's another world but one which I feel really excited about welcoming other women into and it's often women who haven't ever tried pleasure products but some who have and they just want to mix up with something different um, but either way it's um it's win-win all around like there's no there's no downsides um there's no terrible side effects so um, yeah, it's been really fascinating. And I, th I think sharing that part of my uh, background and my history has been useful to some women as well, because some women will reach out to me who um, have, have been through like sexual assault or abusive relationships, um, not necessarily asking for advice. And I wouldn't say like I would be able to give them, you know, expert advice, but um, just looking to speak about it as well. So that's been really nice that I feel like I've obviously come across as authentic enough and trustworthy enough for women to do that. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's funny how it does all link in. Mm. And yeah, that, that is the other thing that you have said before, that is the point of difference with your brand and like say um, many other sexual wellness brands in particular in Australia is that you put your face to it and you tell people your story, rather it just be a faceless brand that's selling these products. like. I think that really does make a difference. So like, so people can connect to you, especially those that feel like they are struggling to just like feel sexually empowered again. 
Yeah, and I hope that comes across. I mean, I think, mm. like, I mean, I, when I first started out, I did just use stock images and was totally hiding behind the screen and had, like, women of all different um, ethnicities, like, throwing cake or fruit around, you know, it's that generic thing. And mm. those images are great and they are, like, they do make women perhaps feel inclusive and, oh, this is for every woman. But I just felt like, yeah, it would be the best thing to just have my unique point of reference is just me and I'm no one special I'm just a woman who's muddling through my sex life like anyone else in long-term relationships so um you know try this for a little bit of fun and if not well you know you can try a different one (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I think um I think it does usually relate to most people and um most women and I do get some men actually contacting me for their partners as well which is nice oh that's good well, yeah, and I like I don't want to um, overemphasize that. Like, oh my God, there's such amazing men. Doing that. But, you know, <laughs> we have such low standards these days, I swear. <laughs> oh, I know, totally. I'm like, well, good effort for making an effort. Um, and as long as you realize that these are for women to get to know themselves, like, you know, so don't just, I wouldn't, I haven't said this in so many words, but um, in a roundabout way, like, don't just go home and think that this is just for you guys to get down and dirty. Like, this is for your partner. Um, and usually they'll come to me with a story like my wife is just um, not long given birth and she had you know bad perineal tear or something like that during birth trauma so there'll be like a reason like that to come to me which is good um, mm. and there's always a simple solution which when you're someone like um, his wife she won't be thinking about that um, because she's like three months postpartum so yeah there's just different situations that um I think most women can relate to well I think that's really good like what you're doing with your brand and I think yeah I think it's I think even just connecting to one person and just helping them with their sex life and just feeling sexually empowered I think that's amazing so yeah I really think it's great what you're doing yeah awesome thanks and I do I think that hopefully that'll spill down into like you know, if if young girls growing up can see that in their mothers, especially, um, I think that will hopefully spill over into new generations um, for women to feel more empowered about like equal pleasure in sex. Um, and, you know, you know, just quickly linking back to the human trafficking aspect, like I looked a lot at pornography use um, mm. for um, older boys. And that just really scares me and how girls feel like they need to be uh, and they feel like sex will be um, for them, like, you know, terrible, terrible acts. They feel like that, will, you know, that's what it is. It's nothing to do with love or passion. It's, you know, gender roles being played out in a really dangerous way um, in some um, aspects of pornography. So I feel like that is part of empowering women in another way to yeah, equal out the pleasure and not necessarily make um, sexual intercourse all about the male orgasm either which it definitely isn't so um yeah empowering women to like get to know their clitoris and absolutely love their clitoris has been amazing because like men are just so jealous of it (laughs) (laughs) it's the absolute ultimate woman's superpower so um yeah maybe i should start a new uh super woman style character who has like the most sensitive clitoris in the world that would be something I'll pitch that to Marvel. <laughs> yes, yes, you do that. Yeah, like you feel like 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 super clit like super clitoris, and super she's clit, yeah. she's she's super sensitive, but 
she uh, will take on the world with her high sensitivity. Yep. Yeah, she's a pretty cat, something like that. I love that as well. Yes, it could be like it could be like a super cat and be like, yeah, it'd be like a super cat. For sure. We'll just have to we'll get some sort of old gender stereotype in there. Like she'll be like a nurse or she'll be a cat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that is a great way to finish off the podcast at uh, this interview here with the super clitoris i do thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today and talking about your story and your incredible brand and yeah just thank you so much no and thank you demi as well because you know media outlets like the nasty women club podcast and and your and your your you know information and journalism and, and overall are so important right now because you're the one that are trailblazing you're keeping the conversations going for women's rights and you know, opening up people's minds who don't see that sort of thing on a regular basis. Like it is going on, we have to do something about it. And unfortunately it's the women who are gonna have to lead the way. So thank you as well. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Nasty Woman Club with the Happy Mash founder, Anna Walsh. Thank you so much, Anna, for coming onto the podcast. And I cannot wait to see what more is there to come to Grand because I think there is such big things to come for Ash. Again, like I said during the episode, there is a discount code for all listeners if you wish to buy some fun toys from the Happy Mash website. If you use the code NASTYWOMAN20, you get 20% off any toys on the website. Very exciting. If you head on over to the link in today's show notes, you will find the website for Happy If you enjoyed this episode, please do leave a review. Every share, every review, every rating helps grow this independent platform. And also make sure you do follow the Nasty Woman Club Instagram page. I'm always sharing stories, articles, random memes every day on the page because I have no life. Anyway, I will be in your ears again on Monday for Rant Mondays where I rant about a particular topic just because I can. I'm your host, Demi Lynch, and I will see you all on Monday. Stay nasty, everyone. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was, like, wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different. Bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout season two, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.